0: Chapter 47 of Wanted a Pedigree. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Wanted a Pedigree by Martha Finlay. Chapter 47 The Spoiler Spoiled a woman stood before an open window looking down upon a fair and beautiful landscape a broad and noble river its waters rippling in the breeze and sparkling in the golden light of the summer's sun threaded its way between grand old mountains and richly wooded hills handsome country seats and pretty little villages scattered here and there adorned its banks or nestled in the shadow of the hills and forests while the nearer view was of a velvety lawn dotted with noble old trees and traversed by a broad carriageway and of terraces gay with many-coloured flowers that filled the air with their delicious perfume the sudden gloom of the woman's face was in striking contrast to the brightness and beauty without she gazed but a moment then turning hastily away with a gesture of disgust let fall a curtain of heavy damask shutting out at once the sweet air the glad sunshine and all the pleasant sights and sounds that but now had greeted her eye and ear i hate them she muttered pacing to and fro in the darkened room with clenched hands and tumultuously heaving breast i hate all this light this gladness and beauty i would cast a pall over the oath earl if i could and make every mortal creature as utterly wretched as my miserable self how dare they be so full of life and gladness when he the idol of my heart lies smouldering in the grave what have i done that i should be tortured thus purgatory hell itself could hardly add to my torments and she she who has robbed me of him she is young happy and beloved has all that heart could wish oh for the power to crush her trample her into the very dust as i would a worm that crossed my path and lifted its puny head against me and she ground her heel on the carpet and clenched her teeth with impotent rage hark what was that who comes to disturb me in the seclusion of my bereavement she muttered as the sound of wheels came to her ear and again drawing aside the curtain she looked out a carriage was coming up the drive had almost reached the house and as she gazed it turned and drew up before the front entrance the roofs and pillars of the porch and the spreading branches of the tree prevented her from seeing who alighted from it but she cared little for that seeing she was determined to receive no one either friend or foe she turned away and resumed her walk and her bitter thoughts madame said a lady's maid opening the door a gentleman wishes to see you on business a gentleman who he gave no name madame i see no one on business but my lawyer is it he i think not madame and i did my best to send him away telling him that being plunged in deep sorrow you saw no one but he will not be denied he asserts that his business is of the utmost importance cannot even be delayed and that he must and will have a personal interview an angry exclamation broke from the lips of the mistress yet her curiosity was aroused who could this pertinacious stranger be she would see him since there seemed to be no getting rid of him without bring me my cap martin she said and see that my dress is all in order that man is a gentleman you say undoubtedly Madame. no one could question that after the first glance i should say he was a distinguished person a man of wealth and standing in society did you show him into the drawing-room asked the mistress glancing at the reflection of her sallow visage and faded sunken features in the glass as her maid carefully adjusted the, the widow's cap over her iron-grey hair and arranged the folds of her deep morning dress i did madame no one possessed of the least sense or discernment could think of showing a gentleman of his appearance anywhere else there that will do martin a simple reply to my question was all that was called for Open the door for me the tone was commanding her gesture imperious and as the servant obeyed she left the room with a soft noiseless gliding step that reminded one of a serpent and which long habit had made second nature to her passed down the broad staircase across the wide entrance hall and entered the spacious drawing-room beyond the first sight that there met her eyes was a charming vision of youth and beauty a slight graceful girlish figure and a face of matchless loveliness at that moment radiant with the delight which a true lover of nature feels in gazing upon such a landscape as lay spread out before the open window beside which she was standing a low exclamation of mingled surprise anger and alarm burst from the lips of the mistress of the mansion and the sweet fair girl starting at the sound turned and meeting the look of deadly hate in the gleaming black eyes shuddered involuntarily and drew a step nearer to the young man at her side fear nothing he whispered encircling her with his arm while at the same instant there rose up before madame another face pale calm resolute confronting her like the minister of avenging justice she started back putting up both hands before her face as if to ward off a blow while she trembled from head to foot and her very lips grew white you she said in low husky tones you clarence ernest Montieth, what brings you here i come to bring your crimes home to you delilah craven he answered with low yet perfectly distinct utterance to accuse you as the murderer of my wife the abductor of my children the usurper of their inheritance i think you will find your accusations hard to prove she said with a desperate effort to recover her composure their inheritance i a usurper i have a better right to my brother's property than they who have not the smallest claim to relationship if mr Delacourt had died intestate, yes but he had an undoubted right to bequeath to whom he would the property acquired by his own exertions and you will know that his will left it to my wife and her surviving children her surviving children pray produce them and prove their identity she cried laughing a bitter mocking laugh but with the paleness of terror still on her cheek. You yourself saw the one lying dead on her dead mother's breast, and the other had even then been in his grave for a year or more. Such was your story, replied Dr. Montiet sternly. But it was not the truth. You had given my son in exchange for the dead child of another, which you caused to be buried by Mr. Delacour's side, announcing to us and to all the friends that it was our darling whom you had taken away to philadelphia and left there alive and well and though we buried a dead babe with its mother there was also a living one its twin sister whom you secretly carried away and laid at the door of a new england farmhouse the woman staggered back almost gasping for breath and sank half fainting into a chair you cannot prove it the story is utterly false she said hoarsely while her hollow gleaming eyes full of fear and hate wandered from one to another of the three faces confronting hers i defy you to prove it i have the proof at hand he said judy flanagan's full confession taken down from her own lips by a justice of the peace and in the presence of competent witnesses also articles of clothing and ornaments worn by the children some of them marked with their initials and here they stand before you living witnesses to the falsity of your assertion that they died in infancy their remarkable likeness to their parents furnishing strong proof of their identity and yet i deny it she hissed between her clenched teeth judy flanagan has confessed a lie perjured herself for what bribe perhaps you can tell initials are easily marked on clothes and ornaments and remarkable likenesses have been found where there existed not the slightest tie of kindred no ernest montiette i defy you still and rising she stood proudly erect before him with folded arms firmly compressed lips and eyes that blazed with fury yet dared not meet the stern steady gaze of his but quickly sought the floor a death-like hush filled the room for an instant. Then Doctor Montyatt spoke. His calm, determined tone filling the guilty heart with fear. You then refuse to acknowledge your guilt and to make such restitution as now lies in your power. You would do well to consider the alternative, Delilah Craven summoned before a court of justice tried by the laws of the land for these high crimes your guilt proved by overwhelming evidence you will find yourself condemned to the penitentiary for a long term of years probably so long that death alone will bring you deliverance from your captivity and pray what may be this overwhelming evidence she asked with a scornful curl of her lip methinks i have already disposed of it and may perchance be able to produce counter evidence quite as satisfactory to a jury the law is uncertain ernest monteith and wealth that can bribe witnesses and jurors a tower of strength a slight sorrowful smile flitted across the doctor's features your anger robs you of discretion he said you are not wise thus to show me your weapons and such weapons too but they will not avail against the unbroken chain of evidence which i can produce with aunt lettuce judy flanagan and her daughter whose testimony will be conclusive in proof of your crime against ernest and my murdered wife whom you as truly slew as if you had stabbed her to the heart his voice trembled with almost overpowering emotion as he pronounced these last words and the woman's face assumed an ashen hue though she still retained her proud bearing he paused an instant to recover himself then went on his voice growing sterner with every word yes delilah craven her blood is on your hands as is proved by judy's testimony and that of her grandson whom you hired to frighten my horses and then to hurry to avonmore with the news of an accident to me hush hush i am no murderess i could not know that it would make her ill or cause her death if it did came in a whisper from the now pale and trembling lips while her whole form shook like an aspen leaf no but you hoped it might intended that it should were rejoiced that it did you had laid your plans for such result and proceeded to carry them out the birth of twins one living the other dead and the utter exhaustion of the mother enabling you to do so with an ease and entire success that you could hardly have hoped for you carried away the living child judy can testify to that and to the clothing and ornaments in which she herself arrayed it traitress hissed the pale quivering lips that name will apply to more than once said the doctor significantly a very judas were you delilah craven to the fair young creature your brother had loved so dearly and for whom you professed so ardent an affection her betrayer and murderer and what if i was she cried again making a desperate effort to overcome her agitation and reassume the proud and haughty bearing of one unjustly accused had i no provocation in the loss of my inheritance did no good motives actuate me the church teaches that the end sanctifies the means the property that should have fallen to me was in the hands of heretics who would use it against the true church if i recovered it i could not only prevent that mischief but would have it in my power to do much for her advancement and i have done so and if i am a murderess what is she she asked suddenly pointing to nina and flashing upon a look so full of hatred and malice that ernest involuntarily tightened his clasp about the slender waist which his arm still encircled and dr monty had started and moved nearer to his darling you need not fear cried the woman mockingly i have no concealed weapon though it may be well for her and for you that i have none for god knows that my hatred to her is such that i would trample her in the dust trample the last breath of life out of her body if i could for has she not robbed me of my son my heart's idol, the last of my children the only one that i had left in the wide world to love and care for me the only one in whose veins flowed one drop of my blood as she poured out these words with rapid vehement utterance her countenance expressed the most intense anguish and she wrung her hands with a gesture of bitter grief and despair Yes is dead 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 she wailed my boy my wilfrid my only son the jewel of my heart the light of my eyes dead dead and mouldering beneath the sod and she she has done it may the bitter blasting curse of a broken-hearted mother follow her to her life's end and into the very grave itself utter bewilderment and unfeigned astonishment sat on the face of each of her auditors nina had grown deathly paled and clinging convulsively about her brother's neck what what can she mean she murmured how can i have done such a deed i who never even knew that she had a son How? how cried the woman fiercely how did not your hand strike the blow that forever robbed those glorious eyes of sight did not weeks of untold agony follow and the terrible inflammation bring on the wasting fever that laid him in his grave a light broke upon the minds of her hearers nina still clung to her brother still kept her face hidden on his shoulder but she breathed more freely true it was a horrible thought that she had caused the death of a human creature and one who in all probability was ill-prepared to stand in the presence of his judge but it had been done in lawful self-defence and his blood must rest on his own head it was Dr. Monteith who replied, I am sorry for your loss and your grief. Yet Wilfrid's death was but the just retribution for his own and his mother's crimes. And do you not see how your own words are adding fresh links to the chain of evidence again, you? If it was your son who seized the bridle of my daughter's pony on the high road, does not that furnish strong presumptive proof that you were concerned in the attempted abduction? and i have recognized you the moment you entered the room i recognized you as the woman who has haunted me all my life said nina for the first time addressing mrs craven father it was she who threw the opiate into my drink that night she who met me in the woods in the guise of the gipsy fortune-teller she who stood at the library window peering at me through the darkness of her evil eyes so full of hatred and revenge i knew it he said i have felt sure of it ever since i heard judy flanagan's confession doubtless she was ignorant of some of this woman's evil deeds but she told me that the anonymous note conveyed to you so mysteriously was written by mrs craven and carried to you by her own grandson and mary haggerty too has confessed that for years you have kept her in your pay to watch my daughter and keep you informed of her whereabouts he added again addressing mrs Craven i have also found the man who conveyed you in his wagon from the cottage then occupied by judy to a spot within sight of mr clemens's farmhouse and who unknown to you and probably unsuspected by you watched you until you had entered the gate with the babe still in your arms so, you perceive there is not a link missing in the chain of evidence against you. Judy's confession revealing your plot and how it was carried out in the attempt to cause an accident to my carriage and horses, and the frightening of my wife into convulsions by the false report that I was injured. Also, the fact for the birth of twins, one living and the other dead, your conveying away of the former of the two, and in what clothes and ornaments she herself had arrayed it then the man's evidence as to where he set you down after that the testimony of several persons concerning the discovery of the child a few moments later on that very doorstep and her adoption by mr and mrs clemens mrs powell's story of the imparting of the secret to her by her dying sister and the little bundle of clothing corresponding to judy's description of what the child had on when you conveyed it away kept by mrs powell until three days ago when it came to my possession and besides all this nina's own recollections of you having haunted her all her life mary haggerty's testimony that hired by you for the purpose she had watched the child from place to place and lastly the several attempts you yourself have made by force or fraud to rob me a second time of my child pray what did you intend to do with her had you succeeded consign her to a convent whence she could never have escaped answered the woman with another flashing glance of hatred directed at nina out of her fierce black eyes and but for the terrible sufferings of Wilfrid, i would have tried again and again till success must have crowned my persevering efforts and this too you would excuse by the teachings of your church he asked bitterly with a look of stern indignation yes the end sanctifies the means i would have prevented a marriage with her brother which i feared would come about i would have forced her into the true church thus saving her soul by the destruction of her earthly happiness and it would have been a good and pious deed thank god our convents are not open to the inspection of the officers of the law or to the curious prying eyes of the public well kept at bay by thick stone walls and iron gates and bars and your petted darling once safe behind them you would never have been able to discover her hiding-place and we would have taken our own means for her forcible conversion i can never forgive myself for the insane folly that kept me from putting her there in the first place and thus for ever effectually concealing her very existence from you she poured out these words in the mad fury of utter despair for she saw that she was entirely in the power of him whom she had so deeply wronged there was no escape from the dire consequences of her now discovered crimes and having thus given full vent to the rage and hatred that were consuming her had but no longer power to harm those against whom they were directed she sank down into the low cushioned chair behind her crouching and cowering like one who expects a mortal blow and this is what you call the religion of christ said dr Montiet, with slow distinct utterance this doing evil that good may come nay it is utterly opposed to his teachings and his spirit she made no reply nor so much as raised her head or moved from her crouching posture she seemed like one completely crushed by terror and despair ernest had drawn his sister to a seat upon the sofa and their father paced slowly to and fro across the spacious apartment in which for some moments a death-like silence reigned it was broken at length by the wretched culprit wreak your vengeance upon me ernest Montieth, she said in accents of sullen despair hurl the hot thunderbolts of your wrath just as you no doubt deem it at my devoted head i am weary of waiting for them let them come that i may know the worst i can scarce suffer more in the future than i have in the past the long dreary months that i have spent in mourning over the untimely death of him who was my all do your worst you can add but little to the woes that are already crushing me to the earth sinking me to the grave this house has been a prison since he died the wealth that i risked so much to secure far more for him than for myself is worthless to me now so do your worst he came and stood before her speaking in the calm quiet tone that with him expressed intensity of emotion restrained by a strong and resolute will i desire not to add to the woes which i see are already more than you can bear for i have been praying god for grace to forgive as i would be forgiven to forgive the wrongs to wife and children tenfold bitterer to me than my own the true religion of christ is one of forgiveness forbearance and love i have therefore no revenge to take confession and restitution so far as it lies in your power are all that i require and why a confession you cannot absolve me from guilt and you have already proof enough i acknowledge that i owe these to be your children and nina's is not that sufficient no i require a written confession of your crimes against my wife and children and an acknowledgment of the identity of the latter signed by your own hand and i want it at once you are cruel i could not hold a pen at this moment and to write out such a paper as you demand would be utterly impossible it may be written by another at your dictation i am in momentary expectation of the arrival of my solicitor who may choose to act as your amanuensis if he does not my son will do you that service shall i ring for writing materials or shall we adjourn to the library as you please you are now master here then we will go there he said offering her the support of his arm but she rejected it and though trembling so violently as to be obliged to steady herself by the furniture and the wall several times ere the short journey was accomplished ernest and nina looked about them with eager curiosity as they followed their father and mrs craven down the wide entrance hall and into the library a large luxuriously furnished apartment its walls lined with well-filled bookcases and cabinets of curiosities and its windows commanding a magnificent view of mountain and river in the embrasure of one of these on a softly cushioned divan the two placed themselves side by side let us sit here and enjoy this glorious prospect said ernest i suppose that it is not necessary that we should hear the repetition of that woman's confession of her evil deeds and here we are out of earshot yet near enough to be summoned if we are wanted the blinds of all the other windows were partly closed admitting only a subdued light and leaving the greater part of the room in shadow mrs craven had sought out its darkest corner and sinking back into the depths of a large easy chair turned her face from the light dr monteith paced to and fro for a moment his mournful eyes taking in one after another each old familiar object for the room had not been refurnished or altered in any way since the death of its former mistress and memory recalled many a little scene there enacted in which she the loved and lost had borne a part look at father whispered nina i think i never saw his dear kind noble face so pale and sorrowful and no wonder urged ernest in the same low tone how everything here must remind him of her our dear young mother of her and of her sad fate the doorbell rang as he spoke and the next moment a servant appeared announcing the arrival of another gentleman and asking shall i bring him in here yes said dr Montieth. the man stared and glanced at mrs craven as much as to say he expected his orders from her but she neither moved nor spoke and dr montiette repeated in an authoritative tone show him in here at once the servant retreated muttering sullenly to himself and presently returned ushering in an elderly gentleman of legal aspect whom he announced as mr Tibet from philadelphia dr montiette stepped forward and the two shook hands and exchanged a few words in an undertone then mr Tibbet bowed stiffly to mrs craven with more affability to the young lady and gentleman and drawing up a chair to a table furnished with writing materials seated himself with a business air that seemed to say we must go to work at once i have not a moment to spare all eyes were turned upon mrs craven but hers determinedly sought the carpet while her lips were firmly compressed and her face was white and rigid madam said the lawyer you cannot fail to see that the doctor has you entirely in his power better make a virtue of necessity and let us have a full and free confession at once beginning if you please with the transaction between yourself and a certain woman of the lower class in which you exchange the little Ernest, dr monteott's living son for the dead child of another as he spoke he spread a sheet of paper on the table before him selected a pen and dipped it in ink she neither lifted her eyes nor changed her attitude in the least but began at once and in a low hard unwilling tone repeated the story of fraud and crime already familiar to our readers she told it briefly and without any sign of emotion coldly hardly as if she were telling of the guilt of another in which she had had no share when she finished the lawyer read to her what he had written asking if it was all correct she said it was martin and the housekeeper were then called in mrs craven signed the paper in their presence and they added their signatures as witnesses they retired exchanging wondering glances and whispered questions which neither was able to answer something quite out of the common is going on that's certain remarked the housekeeper and it's plain that she's in sore trouble too but dear me we needn't care if one of us was to drop down dead it would hardly cost her a second thought hark what's going on at that side door i must see to it she hurried away while martin walked majestically upstairs much too dignified to indulge in curiosity regarding servant squabbles at the side entrance a bright-looking neatly dressed mulatto girl with a lad of the same colour and a darker-hued middle-aged woman at her back was claiming admittance which patrick seemed much inclined to refuse what's wrong patrick what do you wish miss asked the housekeeper drawing near the girl dropped a curtsy if you please ma'am i'm rose johnson miss Montiet's maid and these turning to her companions is my brother Dolph and old willet smith that the doctor disengaged for cook and ordered us to come on in the pursuing train which we've done and now this sassy irish fellow don't want to let us in but really i don't understand what your doctors or your young lady's servants are doing here returned the housekeeper with a look of surprise cause it's the doctor's house cried rose impetuously your mrs craven she got it by cheating and lying and carrying off the doctor's children and saying they was dead when they wasn't but now it's all found out on her and she's got to give up and maybe go to jail too though the doctor's so good i don't believe he'll send her there bad as she deserves it unbounded astonishment sat on the face of each listener they fell back and the newcomers passed in and made themselves at home without further trouble meanwhile lawyer tibet was giving his undivided attention to the weightier matters under consideration in the library mrs craven had delivered up the keys including those of the secretary contained the private papers of the late mr delacorte and the three gentlemen were busied in the examination of the will certificates of stocks bonds mortgages deeds etc etc all right nothing missing everything just as it was when we resigned the property to mrs craven exclaimed the lawyer at length rubbing his hands together with an air of great satisfaction i congratulate you madam on the aptitude for business you have shown in your management of the estate you have spent nothing but the income i see but that is very large and you had no right to it you ought to refund the doctor here might compel you to do so no he could not for i am nearly penniless she answered with a cold bitter look of defiance my brother's annuity a petty six hundred a year is all i have left and as i have now no living heir that too reverts to his children at my death my unnatural brother left me no power to will it away else they would never touch a penny of it and it will be but a drop in the ocean of the wealth of the owner of avonmore and walt she added fairly gnashing her teeth with rage at the thought mr Delacour's sister shall not suffer from want while it is in my power to supply her need said dr Montiette i accept no favours from my enemies ernest montez she interrupted fiercely and a home is already provided for me i shall retire at once to a convent and there spend my few remaining days have you now done with heaping humiliations and reproaches upon me if so i will leave this house this hour this moment never to set foot in it again she rose and stood erect steadying a trembling form by grasping the back of a chair while once more she sent a flashing glance of impotent rage and hate from one face to another of the little group before her ernest and nina had come forward to the table the fair girl shuddered and clung to her father's arm fear nothing darling he whispered in her ear then turning to mrs craven you are not going on foot he said you are scarcely able to stand and you have had no dinner wait and let me order some refreshment for you and the carriage that you may go away as comfortably as possible dinner it would choke me she cried passionately touch a morsel of food belonging to you Set foot in your carriage ernest monteith never while i live i would sooner drop down and die in the road and what matter if i should who is there to mourn my loss or shed one tear over my dead body the tone of the last words was indescribably bitter and hopeless and waving them angrily from her path she swept out of the room passion and strong will for the moment supplying the lack of strength but dr had stepped quickly after her listen one moment mrs craven he said let me go she cried again angrily waving him aside what more would you with me am i not already sufficiently humiliated is there aught more for you to strip me off i will not insult you with further offers of anything you might deem a favour he answered but as a physician allow me to warn you against exposing yourself in your present mental and physical condition to the rays of this burning july sun the hired hack which brought mr Tibbet, is still here take it and i will see that he is supplied with another conveyance i tell you i will walk my own two feet shall carry me away from this my lawful inheritance of which you have robbed me she cried in the same fierce tone as before and glaring on him like a tigress at bay at the sound of the opening of the library door the servants had all come flocking into the hall and even martin was already half-way down the stairs dignity well-nigh forgotten in overpowering curiosity pack my trunks instantly martin and follow me with them to the american house in the village commanded her mistress turning haughtily to her yes madam replied the maid but you are not going to walk there through this burning hot sun it is your place neither to question nor to dictate returned her mistress more haughtily than before bring me my bonnet and sunshade and keep your advice till it is asked for a fierce sweeping glance of the fiery eyes seemed to direct the latter clause of the sentence to all present and no one offered any further remonstrance they stood in silence there till martin came running down with the required articles tied on the bonnet adjusted the heavy crape veil over the ghastly face and put the sunshade into the shaking hand mrs craven had braced herself against the wall while waiting martin offered the support of her arm and assisted the tottering steps as far as the gate that opened from the grounds of avonmore upon the high road leading to the nearest village as she returned to the house passing round to the side entrance by which rose and her companions had been admitted Dr. Monteith was giving orders to the hackman who had brought them to follow Mrs. Craven, just keeping within sight of her, and holding himself in readiness to give her any needed assistance. Martin looked up into his face. It struck her as noble and kindly in features and expression, and she paused, half-resolved to ask of him an explanation of all these sudden and surprising occurrences. But on second thought she refrained, merely bowed respectfully and passing in at the open door hurried upstairs to the suite of apartments still now occupied by mrs craven where she busied herself in obeying the order to pack up her effects for removal what's it all about i wonder muttered the old maid moving rapidly back and forth between closets and trunks robbed of her lawful inheritance eh i'd like to know how they managed that for it was never an easy task to outwit her the door opened and the housekeeper entered hastily closing it after her oh excuse me mrs martin i forgot to knock she said as the latter looked round in surprise but it's no wonder considering how flustered i am with all that's going on in this house it's changed owners and mrs craven will never darken its doors again there what do you think of that i thought so but do tell me all about it all you know at least the housekeeper replied by repeating rose's story winding up with the added information that dr monteith had already paid off and dismissed all the old servants including herself and that she should leave the premises within the hour on foot asked martin no not i he's behaving like a real gentleman says he'll send me in my trunks to the village along with you and mrs craven's luggage so i'm off to do my packing and she left the room as hastily as she entered End of chapter 47.